God wants me to do. Uh, so it is my joy to be here. I am joined with my lovely wife. Uh, she is 5'9", super fine, and all mine. And um, <laughs> she's not really 5'9", but her rhymes are super fine. So more like 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, uh, we, we, we met in youth group at church. Uh, and uh, what happened was, the story was, her dad was the pastor of the church. And uh, I was really involved in the youth ministry. And so we met, and, um, you know, uh, just uh, over time, the pastor, her dad, started liking me. So her dad, which was the pastor of the church, uh, forced her to call me and to take me on a date. How about that, right? (laughs) Ain't God good. I'm also joined with some lovely friends of ours that are teaming up with us to go plant this church. And so we're just really excited uh, to really to really go into this new mission uh, that God has for our family. But I really have a word of the Lord for us today, and uh, it's found in, uh, we want to start in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at one verse, then we're going to go to Acts chapter 9 to look at a story to really apply that Ephesians verse uh, to us today. Uh, I, was, um, I was just praying about what, what's going on. I know I've been, I've been kind of sharing a, a particular sermon uh, to churches with regards to what we're getting into. But I really, God, God really took a turn for me last week as I was preparing for this morning. And um, I, I want to read this verse. Uh, it's found in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse 10. It says, we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Let us pray. Father, we thank you uh, for allowing us to come in here, Lord. We don't, Lord, we don't play church, God. We don't come in here for traditions. We don't come in here just out of routine. God, we come here to meet with you. God, we come here to hear from you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray in the next 20 minutes or so, God, that we may hear your voice and that you may speak to our hearts and speak to our lives, Lord God. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can go out and make a difference in this world, Father? We know that we're the local church, God, and we're the hope of the world, God. The world's counting on us, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we just pray that you just may have your way in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, You know, one of the first ways we know God is not a God of salvation and not the the God who brings redemption to the world or the God who comes and saves the world or or the God who provides for the world. One of the first ways we know God is God being an artist. The Bible says, in fact, the first words of the Bible, it says that in the beginning, he created. His nature is an artist. He is an artist by nature. That's just who he is. And the reason why we are here today is because God was an artist. And the reason why we were created, because he was creative. And so in, in, in those days, when Jesus spoke the world into existence, he, he spoke the, the mountains and he, he spoke the trees and the, the waters and, and all the galaxies in the world and said he, he wanted to make this prized possession in mankind. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that us, mankind, we were sinful. We were completely far from God. In fact, we were dead in our trespasses and sins and we had no concept of what it is to be human. We, we were far from God. But the Bible says in chapter, in verse 10 of that same chapter, that we are God's masterpiece. 
And I oftentimes ask God the question, God, how, how can you call me your masterpiece, your, your prized possession in the same chapter you called me a sinner and dead in my trespasses and sin? And we all know that that is because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And when Jesus comes into our lives, he takes what was broken and he takes what was messed up and he makes it into his masterpiece in which he originally created us to be. And I just want to encourage someone today that you are God's prized possession. You are, you are God's masterpiece. You are, you are made for his glory. You were, you were, he took your life when you gave your life to Christ, and he dipped you into his glory, and he wanted your life to be a canvas in which he writes his story. In fact, he wants to be a God that really wants you to know that you are his prized possession. You are the one that he dances over every moment of every day. You are the one that he chases after every moment of every day. We are God's masterpiece. And I didn't know that growing up, especially for me in my background. I'm from Miami, Florida, and uh, I was born in, was born in Miami, Florida, and I lived there up until I left for college. And uh, I didn't meet my father until I was in the ninth grade. I was diagnosed with dyslexia. And uh, I couldn't read till I was like in the, the fifth grade, and and uh, I used to stutter every single sentence. They they wanted to put me in a small classroom so I can have focused attention, and uh, and I, my my family situation was broken, and I didn't understand how God can call somebody like that a masterpiece, and I I didn't understand how God can call a, a past like that a masterpiece. And what I've learned, and what I'm learning about God is that. He's a God that can take broken things and broken situations, and he can mend them together. And because most artists, with, if, they're, if their canvas rips or if their brush tears apart, their, 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 their masterpiece stops, and they, they start over again. But our God can take broken situations and broken people and broken past, and he can mend us into making us into the man and the woman of God that we are called to be. We are his prized possessions. We are his masterpiece. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know that God can take broken situations and make them good. So the Bible says that, for we are God's masterpiece, and we were created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he had planned for us long ago. I like the second part of that scripture. It says that we, we are God's masterpiece. In fact, God, God, God has made us his prized possession for those of us who are in Christ. And it says not just so that we can be in a museum and people can see us once a year. He didn't make this canvas that we call life, and he didn't make us so that we can just kind of be in the shelves and go to, go to a church inside of a building once a week and just call it a day. In fact, he made us a masterpiece so that we can do good works. We can do something with it. And today I want to look at a passage of Scripture that really flushes this out for the next 19 minutes and 34 seconds that I have with you all. That I want to talk to you about sounding in the book of Acts, chapter 9. And I want to read to you a story that really applies this, that how God can use everyday people like you and I to make a difference, to do good, because we were created to be masterpieces so that we could do good. I want to start in uh, verse 10 of chapter 9 of the book of Acts. 
And uh, I think it's going to go really well with the series that I, I believe that you just concluded, the Pray for One series. I'm going to read it. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! I had to scream that because there's an exclamation mark afterwards. <laughs> yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord says, Go over to uh, uh, Straight Street uh, to the house of Judas, uh, where and when you get there, ask for a man of Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him, on him so that he can see again. Verse 13, it says, But the Lord exclaimed, Ananias, I've, Ananias said, But Lord, I've heard many people talk about these terrible things that this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's... He's had authority by leading the priests to arrest everyone who call upon your name. But the Lord says, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up, and he was baptized, and afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. What a powerful story. I love, it. I love this story because here is this guy named Saul, and he was against God's people. He was completely far from God. In fact, he thought that he was doing the right thing, and he was completely confused in his calling in life. He was chasing after some kind of success within the religious world, and he was this guy that was chasing after God's people. But the interesting part of the story is that while Saul was chasing after God's people, trying to kill him, God was chasing after him. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God that even though we're running away from God, God is still running towards us. I'm so grateful that we serve a God that no matter how far away we get from God, he is one turn away. I love it that while Saul was chasing after God's people, God was chasing after him. And, and so while he was on his way to, to work for the enemy and he was on his way to, 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 to arrest more Christians, he, he runs into this encounter with God on this road. And while he's on, on his journey of life, on his journey towards running away from God, he encounters Jesus in a vision. And it's like God just kind of had a, a crazy appearance to him. He kind of ripped the clouds back and says to Saul, hey, what are you doing? You're, you're persecuting me. You're persecuting the church. What, what are you doing? And so there was scales over his eyes and he couldn't see. And he had to walk to this place that he was on his way to, blind, and couldn't see at all. And he had to feel his way all the way to Damascus. Because that's what blind people do. They're led by their emotions. They're led by what they can feel. And Saul was blind, and he is completely far from God. I think about my story is, my story is not too different than Saul because I was a guy, was a teenager that was completely lost and got into some trouble. 
I was in ninth grade, and um, I had, you know, hanging out with some friends, and we got arrested and just, just doing some crazy stuff in Miami. And I went to one of the worst high schools in Miami, Florida, called Miami Southridge. And uh, it was a school that, uh, I mean, it was featured on CNN for being one of the, the dirtiest schools. And our, our classrooms, we had, we had literally like 65 people in classrooms. The, the school was overcrowded. We had over 6,000 people in our school. We had one-way hallways because it was so crowded. And uh, I remember there was this one church that decided to do an outreach to the local school. And it wasn't nothing special about the church. It's just uh, this um, a typical suburban church that had a heart for the lost people. And there was this elderly white gentleman who came, and uh, I, I think at the time he was may, uh, may, maybe 65, 70, and he came to me, and uh, he invited me to the youth group. Gave me a little card, a little invitation to the youth group, and I kind of played it off, and he would come to the school every day. And you could tell he really didn't belong there. Our school was predominantly African-American, some Hispanic, and it was a pretty, you know, rough school. And uh, this guy kept coming out there, invite us to church. And he always promised us, hey, you come on a Friday night, you can get free pizza, you know. And that would draw anybody, you know, any kind of teenager, especially if it's Papa John's, you know. <laughs> Nowadays, we do Little Caesars, right? You know, we kind of go cheap and go Little Caesars, but it was Papa John's. And uh, I mean, one day, we were... Uh, <laughs> We were, we were just, man, we were, I was blind. And I had no idea what about life. And I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have a father in my life at that point, And I was just, just going through life. And I remember my, third, my second grade teacher, Miss Rottler, she told me, she said, she said, what are you going to be when you grow up? I said, man, I want to maybe be a doctor or maybe, be, she said, maybe you should sign up for the military because she felt like I wasn't smart enough to go to college. And uh, I just kind of lived with that, you know, that's just, my older brother, who's two years older than me, was in and out of jail my whole entire life. My sister, who was uh, six years, who's seven years older than me, and she was in prison. And it's just, that was just life. My brother Libby kept coming to Miami Southbridge Senior High School and kept trying to give these blind people sight. And uh, so next in the story um, is, is this random guy named Ananias who God calls, right? We don't know nothing about Ananias. In fact, we've never heard of him again or before this particular passage of Scripture. Ananias is random. He's not a pastor. He's not a leader. He's not a prophet. He's not an evangelist. He's just some random disciple that God called. And God called Ananias, and Ananias says, yes, Lord. Now, I wish I, I literally could preach a whole sermon on that one statement, yes, Lord. Because if you read it in the Greek, it, it wasn't like, Yes, Lord, with the question mark afterwards. It was, yes, Lord, no matter what you're going to tell me next, I'm going to do it. And Ananias says, yes, Lord. And uh, God, God, God told Ananias, hey, I want you to go to, the, to this place, this rough place. I want you to go to this place, and I want you to minister to this guy named Saul. And Ananias is like, hey, God, do you, do you know who Saul is? Like, you, do you know that he's been killing, like, my people, like, killing my cousins or something like that? Do you know who he is? And God's like, yeah, I know who he is. And um, I can imagine. Could you imagine Saul in this moment? He's completely lonely, right? He has this encounter with God. He's completely blind. He can't go back to the people that, he, that sent him because now he has this encounter with God. And so he's like a, somewhat of a Christian. He somewhat believes now. So he can't go back to the high priest because they'll kill him. 
He can't go to the church because the church don't want him, because the church is scared of him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Saul calling a, a Chester Christian church on a Monday morning? Like, hey, I want to come to your, to your Bible study. What time is your Bible study, right? I mean, I won't let him come to my church. <laughs> it starts at midnight. Come at midnight. <laughs> if no one's there, we cancel it. Saul's completely alone. He's lonely. And God calls this random guy named Ananias, just like God called this random guy named Mr. Libby to Miami Southridge to, to reach out to me. So one particular night, my friends and I, we were um, drinking this one alcohol, alcoholic drink called MD 2020, Mad Dog 2020, great flavor. You shouldn't know about that, okay, guys? You should not know about that. <laughs> Anyways, so we, we were kind of a little tipsy, so we got a little hungry, a little munchy. Say, hey, man, the, the church is not too far from here. They give out free pizza to the, those who come for the first time for the youth groups. So I came, and I never experienced young people, like, just live for God. I mean, they had lights, and they had all this. I'm like, this is, it was unbe- unbelievable to me. And I remember looking at this, this guy and uh, this Mr. Libby, and he was, uh, you know, a youth leader there. And, uh, man, I just remember feeling such love that day. And, over, and I started going to that church, and over a period of time, I, I gave my life to Christ. And the way that happened was it was in Miami, Florida. It was during a tropical storm, and our neighborhoods used to flood during tropical storms. And so you don't go outside because it would flood your engines or whatever. And so, man, I was just going to, I, I, I just realized that this is the night I need to give my life to Christ. So I called Mr. Libby. I said, Mr. Libby, hey, man, I feel like I need to talk to you about just giving my life to Jesus. I don't know what that means. I've been going to this church for a while now. What should I do? How should I do it? I don't know. And right away, he hung up the phone like, why this guy hung up on me? What's up with him? Fifteen minutes later, he'll knock on my door. And there's Mr. Libby. I never forget what he had on. He had a, a, a yellow polo shirt on, khakis, all wet up to here, completely drenched in rain. And I remember him, and that night, he led me to Christ. I remember asking him, why, why would you just drive through the rain? And he said, hey, my life, my life motto is this. The, the more that you can reach out to other people, the more that God will reach out to you. And so Ananias is in the same position. Ananias is this random everyday people like you and I who are called, and God calls us to go to people who are hard to reach. So Ananias goes to this place, and uh, he, he, uh, I can only imagine him knocking on the door uh, to uh, this guy's house, and uh, I know he's afraid. So this guy named Judas answers the door, and you know, and Ananias like, "Hey, God sent me because there's this guy named Saul. Uh, is he still blind? You know, if I, if I was him, I'm like, I hope he's still blind, so he won't be able to see me. You know, so just in case you want to fight somebody, I better knock him out because you can't see you, whatever. And uh, yeah, he was still blind. There was this guy in my house. Yeah, he's in the back. He's been praying for like three days." And he hasn't really eaten much, and yeah, he's here. And so Ananias goes in the back. And the first thing that Ananias says to Saul is, Brother Saul. And I was, I, I didn't get that statement because this is, this is Saul who killed the Christians. This is Saul who's not a part of the church yet. In fact, we don't even know. Most scholars say that he's, might, he's not even a Christian at this point. And Ananias says, Brother Saul. And so I began to do research on that word, the brother, the type, the type of brother that he used. 
And he used it in such a way, it's like, hey, man, you're family way before you believed in who we are. And I feel like that's what Mr. Libby kind of did with me. He kind of made me his family despite my beliefs, despite my anti-wanting to go to church and didn't want to follow God. He, I became family. I, I began to belong to him way before I began to behave. I believe that's what we're called to do. There's three points I want to just mention real quick uh, in this uh, text that we get uh, from uh, Acts 9. The first point is, is that Ananias, this random guy, he, he followed. He followed the voice of God. He just, he just followed God. Like, no matter what God was calling him to do, he just did it. And I believe as God's people, you know, you guys just finished the, the pray for one. Like, God might put that one on your heart, and that one may not be the most attractive person to reach out to, to pray for. But Ananias, he just followed. Secondly, that he fellowship. He went inside this room, and he just fellowshiped with Saul. He called him brother. Brother Saul! And I just, I just, I just believe that as the Christian church and who we are as God's people, our, our, our job is to, to go out to the people who are lost. Our job is not to be the brightest where it's the lightest, but our job is to be the brightest where it's the darkest. Our job is to be the, 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 go to the places where it seems like no one else is shining the light of Christ because literally we are God's masterpiece. We are God's prized possession. And when God, when people see our lives and when the world sees our lives, they get a glimpse into who God is. They get a glimpse into the love of God. They get a glimpse into the grace of God. And God says to us, hey, how about you go into the darkest places? And Ananias, he, he just fellowship with, with Saul. And lastly, he facilitated. He was the one who brought sight to a blind man. Because for the first time in Saul's life, he discovered his, spirit, his physical condition really highlighted his, spirit, his, his spiritual condition. He was blind with his sight, but he really was blind spiritually as well. And God exposed that to him. And God used Ananias to bring sight to this guy. The Bible says that he laid hands on him, and immediately something like scales came off. And I remember like, literally when Mr. Libby invited me to church, and he kept being faithful, he kept being faithful, he kept being faithful. Kept hearing the no's. Kept hearing me say no, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll check it out later on. Kept being faithful. And one day, one night, it came off. And from that day, I've been living for Jesus since. And uh, my life's been changed because a random guy decided to follow, decided to, to fellowship, and decided to facilitate. You know, I was thinking about uh, just the, the meanings of uh, Saul, if you think about the meaning of Saul, his, his, the meaning of his name is, is pretty interesting because the meaning of Saul, is, it, it says, it's asked of God. That's the, literally the meaning of Saul. And the meaning of Ananias' name is, it's the same word in Hebrew, Hinanias, and it simply means uh, the Lord has dealt graciously with. That's what the name Ananias means. It's pretty awesome that whenever God is asking for somebody's heart. He always matches them up with somebody who the Lord has dealt graciously with. Always. And the Lord has always, he's, he touched all of us, most of us in this room. And we all have experienced the grace of God. And there's a world out there that God is calling. 
There's people out there that God is calling and dreams out there that God is calling. He's calling their name. They're being called of God. And he always uses us, the church, the people who God has dealt graciously with to meet it. My, my beautiful wife is here. Uh, she was born in the south side of Chicago as a drug-addicted baby. And uh, her father was, was murdered in the back alley of Chicago in, a, in, a snow, in the middle of the snow. They didn't find his body till the snow melted uh, weeks or months later. And her, her, mother, her mother dealt uh, with uh, drug addiction for most of her life up until six years ago. And she pretty much raised herself. And one day she was out in her front yard in uh, Gary, Indiana at this point. And uh, there was a local church that decided to take the call of Ananias. They said, yes, Lord. And it's, it did this thing called Sidewalk Sunday School. They would go and do uh, Sunday schools. And, and, uh, and w- one of the pastors came across my wife, Brittany, and he had a heart for her. And so, uh, obviously, the pastor kind of figured out her story. And eventually, she ended up going to live with, um, with that pastor. And uh, they brought her into uh, her home, and, and that's how, you know, that pastor ended up moving down to Miami, and, and that's how we met. Um, but my wife's not here today if a church didn't say yes. I'm not here today if a church didn't say yes. You're not here today if a church didn't say yes. Because God was calling her name many years ago in a rough situation, and God called somebody who he, he had dealt graciously with. So I don't know any of your individual stories. I'm not sure your life and the people that's in your life and the influence you have in people's lives. But I do know that you're God's masterpiece. And I do know that you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And what I do know is that you're called to make a difference in this community, in this Chester community or whatever community that you you find yourself living in and have influence in. And I just want to encourage you that it's so easy for us to tune out the voice of God and tune in our own ambitions and our own agendas. Let us listen to what God is saying because he might just be calling us to, to go to those who he is calling. There's many Saul's out there. And so as Pastor Aaron said that about three years ago, uh, we, were, we were doing youth, I was a youth pastor at, at Cornerstone. We were busting in kids from South Richmond and doing ministry there and, and uh, realized that there wasn't really a thriving church in that area. And uh, so my wife and I answered the call uh, to go into a little bit of an uncomfortable place because there are a lot of people named Saul in that community. I, I just Googled, like literally uh, a, couple, a couple nights ago, I Googled the, the headlines of South Richmond and North Chesterfield area. And this is what I got. This is what I just Google it. And this is what the headlines have been saying the last um, few months or weeks or so. Four ladies died from an overdose. Teen shot dead. Three home burglaries. Schools lack funds. Drugs are high in South Richmond. Robbery at South Richmond gas station. And I believe that's what God's calling us to plant a new church. It's called Motivation Church. We want to go there and we want to do what Ananias did. We want to lay hands on people's eyes so they can see and they can find their purpose. The interesting part about Ananias is that nobody knows, nobody, 
Like, you know, if I was Ananias, I would have built a ministry after my ministry with Saul, right? I mean, Saul went on to write over, over two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, he became, the, he, he became this legend, you know? If I was Ananias, I'd be like, hey, guys, do, do you know this guy named, uh, used to be Saul, now his name is Paul. You know him? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I, I led him to Christ, yeah. I, I would have had me a ministry. I led Saul to Christ's ministry, you know? But, no, we don't hear about him. He's in the background. I was telling our, our, our team the other day the story about Jesus and Jesus when he, when he fed 5,000 people and uh, he used this little boy who had this uh, five, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish, right? And we love, to, we love to praise the little boy, right? Man, he gave up the little that he had and then we love to praise Jesus, right? Because Jesus took the little and he blessed it and he fed the multitude. And those are great sermons to preach. But oftentimes we don't talk about the person who packed that boy lunch that day. Because whoever packed his lunch that day prepared him for greatness. Whoever packed his lunch that day gave him the tools he needed so that when God called his name, he can make a difference in this world. And we're all called to be lunch packers. We're all called to be Ananias. We're all called to be people to make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for your grace. And God, we just pray that you may continue to speak to our hearts. God, would you touch those who are feeling discouraged today, God. God, would you remind them that, they, that you take brokenness, you take broken situations, broken families, broken backgrounds, and you make them into masterpieces, Lord. Lord, you work all things together for the good of those who love the Lord. And God, I just thank you that you have not only called us to be a masterpiece, God, but you called us to make a difference. And I, Lord, I pray that you may lay on our hearts those that we can reach out to and those that we can share the gospel of Jesus to, Lord. Lord, we love you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, hang on for a second, uh, Travis. Uh, what an incredible story and testimony and, and word uh, from the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, and as you were talking, um, I just I, I think about us and people outside in the church and the community, and uh, just uh, you know, we are, we are broken. You know, our lives are a mess, and um, oftentimes we come into places like this and we. Uh, put on a happy face, or we put on appearances, and we uh, give the appearance that everything is 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 hunky dory. You know that life is good, and when reality is, you know we're we're living with guilt and shame and all kinds of different things that we struggle with because Satan wants to keep us down and Satan wants to discourage us. Um, and yet, you know what what you've shared with us this morning is, uh, I mean, as to the gospel that, that that Christ did come, that he 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 took our guilt and shame. Uh, from us, so that we don't have to live with that anymore, so, because we are His masterpiece, Amen. and we are created to do uh, to do good works and uh, to go out and set other people free. And so, thank you so much, man, for sharing that yeah. and encouraging us today. And what I want us to do now, man, no, I'm going to ask you to take your guitar off, Arthur. I'm going to ask you to come.